today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group. Meet the newest reporters leading FedScoop's coverage of the federal IT beat. It's Thursday, July 20th, 2023. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast, where you'll hear the latest news and trends facing government leaders. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Here's what's happening now. Generative AI isn't quite cleared for takeoff at NASA. That's the headline of a new story on FedScoop that focuses on an email NASA CIO Jeff Seaton sent to staff back in May on how the space agency isn't approved to use generative AI technologies like ChatGPT, Google Bard, and Facebook Llama with sensitive NASA data. Seaton also pointed to a range of issues raised by popular generative AI tools, including that some are hosted in the cloud and use systems that store information outside the United States, which means that NASA data could be exposed to unauthorized and non-U.S. individuals. He warned also that these tools aren't necessarily accurate and raise ethical and intellectual property questions, too. A NASA spokesperson told FedScoop that while use of AI technologies on NASA systems is not authorized at this time, the agency's Office of the Chief Information Officer is still evaluating use of some technologies in a secure online environment. The General Services Administration has selected 48 early career technologists to take part in the latest cohort of the U.S. Digital Core Fellowship Program. The group will support 13 federal agencies and joins the first round of fellows, which was announced last year. The U.S. Digital Corps launched in 2021 to help bring early career software engineers, data scientists, and other technologists to federal service for a period. The program won a FedScoop 50 award in 2022. And finally, our colleagues over on CyberScoop are tracking new legislation advanced by the House Judiciary Committee on Wednesday that would close loopholes that allow data brokers to sell consumer data to law enforcement and federal agencies. The bill addresses longstanding concerns from civil liberties and privacy advocates that such purchases allow law enforcement to evade the Fourth Amendment, which protects against warrantless searches. In the House, the bill is co-sponsored by four Republicans and four Democrats, including Ranking Committee member Jerry Nadler of New York. You can read more about these stories and more at fedscoop.com. In an effort to advance FedScoop's coverage of federal technology and our commitment to driving better outcomes for the American public, we've recently invested heavily in our world-class editorial team. In recent months, the team added a pair of expert reporters to expand focus on the federal civilian executive branch agencies and their efforts to modernize and advance technology to deliver better services and mission outcomes. You may have seen the new bylines of Madison Alder and Rebecca Howell on FedScoop in recent weeks, but today we wanted to give you a more formal introduction to our newest reporters, who, by the way, are both super busy, so we had to chat with them separately. Let's start now with Maddie. Maddie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Maddie, I'm really excited to have you on board, and I'm really excited today to give the, the listeners a better glimpse into who you are. And to start off with, tell us a bit about your journey up to this point in journalism. You come to us from Bloomberg Law, but tell us about your, your past in journalism and where you're coming from. So I, as you mentioned, I'm coming from Bloomberg Law. I covered a variety of beats there. Uh, started out covering employee benefits a uh, little DOL agency known as EPSA. And then I moved through other beats, uh, including covering health and human services. Uh, and then most recently, I was covering the judiciary. So a lot of overlap as you come into FedScoop and cover the federal government and its overlap with technology. 
Right. Yeah. I've covered government agencies in the past and the, the third branch. So I'm definitely hoping to apply some of those lessons here. That's great. Who are you on a more personal level? Tell us about your background and, you know, when you're not at the FedScoop office or working on a federal IT story, what do you like to do? Well, I'm originally from the West Coast. I'm from Seattle. I went to high school in Las Vegas and I went to college in Phoenix, Arizona. And I came here right after college to to do journalism and outside of work, I sometimes get around to playing the guitar. Um, I really like hiking and being outside. So whenever I get the chance to do that, I, I enjoy being in nature. I would imagine there were some nice hikes on the West Coast when you're across all those various areas. Definitely some beautiful hikes in, in the Washington area, for sure. So as, as you're coming on board, you're ramping up, you've been here for a couple months now. Um, what types of stories do you aspire to tell? You have some good ones you've already worked on. We'll get to that in a bit. But as you look at your larger beat, what are the sort of target areas and agencies that you're looking to work with? I'm really interested in in health stories, so the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, I'm also interested in stories that that have to do with with the law and and justice. Um, So any way I can combine those. Um, Another area I'm looking at is government contracting. So, you know, if if I can get all three of those into one story, it'll be a good day. Um, But I'm really interested in, you know, kind of uh, translating really complex issues. Um, That's something that I'm really passionate about, and I'm hoping to, you know, bring some of these really complex issues to our readers in a really interesting and digestible format. I would imagine that's something you learned a lot about working with legal cases and court cases, just really having to learn on the fly and dive into complex topics. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of that in the federal courts, diving into really complex topics. And, you know, I I love finding really smart people to help explain those things and, um, you know, figuring out a really good and a simple way to describe something. At the top of the show, I, I told the listeners about a story that you worked on this week uh, with uh, your new colleague, Rebecca, on NASA's generative AI stance. And I uh, was hoping you could tell me more about that since the listeners now know about then what you learned from it and how it sort of fits into the larger types of stories you want to tell and p- potentially the, the bigger landscape of government's adoption of this really cutting edge t- technology. Yeah. So, I mean, thanks. Thanks to your eagle eye on this. Actually, we found um, NASA had an email to staff back in May with a generative AI policy. Um, And it's something that we've seen other federal government agencies doing as generative AI becomes more popular with tools like ChatGPT and others, uh, just making sure that staff and contractors know how to use these tools and what and what not to put in them. But there's a, a fair amount of variation between the policies. So, you know, GSA has has kind of blocked the use of um, of, of using these these tools um, on, on their network and equipment. EPA has done, done something similar um, and, you know, then you have agencies like the Administration for Children and Families taking kind of a moderated approach and uh, allowing some use of, of these while making sure that people aren't putting you know, personally identifiable information into them. So um, it's definitely something we're tracking. It's really interesting to you know, kind of see the variation here and how agencies are going to come down on, on employee use of these. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot of that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who uh, on the federal agency and what CIOs really jump into it, uh, because it seems like there's not a lot of them out there that are really um, willing to, to kind of get into that risky 
uh, unknown area so far. Yeah, we've only seen a handful of agencies thus far, but uh, you know, it, like, with, for example, with the NASA policy, this this email that that we found uh, is from May, so uh, there might be policies out there that we just don't know about yet. Uh, there, there definitely seems to be uh, a trend in a lot of these policies being from May and June in, in that time period. So, um, who knows? Maybe there's more federal agencies out there who who have these kinds of policies that that just haven't come to light yet. There probably are. Um, you're still early on your time in your time on this beat, but I'm curious if there's any anything so far that's really surprised you. I think what surprised me, and I knew this kind of coming in, but just the the degree to which this uh, this is true has surprised me is is how much government tech impacts everything. I mean, government tech is a part of of so many of the big stories out there, and uh, I'm really excited to to be looking more at that, you know, as, as I continue reporting. Yeah, that's a good, good thought. Um, and as we close out here, you know, is there anything you're working on now that you'd want to preview for listeners? I know you have a lot of stories, uh, or, you know, irons in the fire, if you will, in terms of stories, but anything that you'd like to tease to let people know, you know, where you're going next? I think readers can expect, uh, some coverage of, an executive order that required agencies to establish use case inventories for AI. Uh, that's something that me and my colleague, Rebecca, are looking into. So hopefully you'll see something on that pretty soon. And we'll talk to Rebecca here next, but uh, maybe she'll mention that. But as we close out, you know, if, if people want to, you know, tip you off to a, a generative AI policy or anything like that, that we may not know about yet, um, for those listening, do you have any uh, way that they can get in touch with you for those kinds of tips or pitches or anything of the above? Yeah, please email me. It's madison.alder at fedscoop.com. I'm also on Twitter and threads. Um, follow along with my coverage there. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Thanks, Maddie. Great. Thank you. And now over to Rebecca. Rebecca, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. I want to get started the same way we did with Maddie here a minute ago by asking you to tell us a bit about your journey in journalism up to this point. Yeah. So I originally, back when I was in high school and college, I thought I really wanted to go into policy and politics. And I ended up going down the journalism route, thinking it was a lot more interesting and a lot more fun than uh, going into policy. And so I ended up getting into tech journalism and and really into everything related to AI and space and satellites and batteries and things like that. And, and now I'm sort of having my original interests in policy and um, journalism kind of meeting in the middle by taking this new exciting job at FedScoop where we're reporting about uh, federal tech policy and how it relates to emerging technologies. And this isn't your first time necessarily reporting on on tech and policy. You've done some work in, in past roles at Vox and some other places. Um, what, what were those places and sort of tell us about some of the stuff you did there? Yeah. So for a, a few months, I worked as a fellow at Wired, where I really got introduced to the world of Silicon Valley and and tech and that sort of area of, of technology. And then for the past uh, for the, the past three years or so, I was working at Recode, which was a technology site run by Vox, where I was writing about a lot of different uh, tech issues and tech policy issues. Some of my sort of latest stories have been about. Uh, like EV fires and how to deal with that and uh, what is the social media policy for astronauts and and whatnot. So covering a lot of uh, the same topics that I'm not covering here at Fat Scoop. 
That's great. Um, and, and also want to give the listeners a chance to know about you a little bit more on a personal level. Um, you're our one team member, not based in DC, you're based out of New York City, but tell us more about your background and what you like to do outside of work. Yeah, definitely a lifelong New Yorker. Um, I currently live in Queens, uh, which is really one of the most special places um, in the world. Uh, outside of work, um, we, we've discussed this, Billy, but uh, I love like, Eric Andre, Nathan Fielder, uh, things like that. Um, so, yeah, like kind of like a really stupid comedy is probably one of the main ways I, I spend time. But, you know, going around restaurants and, and being out and about in the city is also great too. That's awesome. We can uh, definitely keep each other laughing uh, between uh, Slack sessions and things of that nature. But uh, so so in, in thinking about your, your work with us and sort of what you uh, have come to join us to do, tell us about the types of stories you aspire to tell and if there's any particular agencies or topics that you're more in, most interested in uh, when, when you're uh, reporting. Yeah, I think I'm really excited to report on how all of these federal agencies, which play such different roles um, in our lives and have such different infl influence on Washington, are, are sort of wrestling with the rise of a lot of emerging technologies. And I'm fascinated by the ways some of them are using these technologies in really exciting, cool ways. I'm also curious about the struggles that they're having and the uh, sort of ways they're trying to um, adapt. What, one area that I'm, I'm hoping to write about soon is sort of the uh, federal government's approach to electric vehicle chargers. And as these chargers um, go, go online around the country, what does that look like in terms of running the software needed to maintain these chargers, making sure they don't have bugs and thinking about the cybersecurity issues. I think, you know, technology is such a big part of government infrastructure now and our own lives. And it, it raises a lot of really interesting questions I'm excited to look into. Yeah, and I, I know you've worked on some really great stories, uh, and you've only been with us for a couple months now, but um, I asked Maddie the same question earlier because you both worked on this story together, but uh, yesterday uh, uh, <clears throat> we produced a story on NASA's generative AI stance and uh, was hoping you could kind of tell me your perspective on that um, and sort of what you gleaned uh, from that story as part of a bigger um, topic and trend within the federal government context. Yeah, NASA is sort of a reminder that sort of every part of the federal government is coming at AI in its own way. NASA has a lot of exposure to artificial intelligence. You could imagine being very involved building robots and uh, operating a lot of uh, machinery in space. This is not a new area for them. But at the same time, something like ChatGPT uh, is something new for NASA. Um, and I think this that piece was sort of a reminder that you know, every agency has its own unique responsibilities, and that's going to impact how they're dealing with artificial intelligence, and also the struggle to just even classify it and define it. Um, NASA, uh, according to a recent Inspector General's report for that agency, still doesn't have one standard definition of artificial intelligence, even as it tries to come up with an agency strategy for it. So I think it's all really, really fascinating and interesting. That's very cool. Uh, and, and again, you're very early on in your time with us and on this beat, um, at least in this formal reporting uh, role with us. But is there anything so far that surprised you about the intersection of federal government and technology? I think I've been really impressed by a lot of the inspector general's reports that I've been reading. I feel like uh, my strategy for getting 
uh, sort of acclimated to this particular beat was sort of reading a lot of these reports related to technology at all these different federal agencies. And it's it's the level of detail is really fascinating and all these sort of nooks and crannies of software you hadn't even thought of. And it comes up. There was one about this was super random, but um, my editor sent it to to, to a bunch of us was about um, the like how the postal service deals with um like remains that are being sent and there's it's like the only service that um sends these and there's a software component to that um and it turns out like there might be some issues related to the software and i think that's a reminder of even like these like even really serious and also very unexpected and niche things that the government has a hand in tech does come up and i think i'm always surprised by the the way it just shows up and, and a lot of the things i'm looking into yeah, no, that's a great point. And in conversations about what we do, I'm always trying to tell people that government touches every person and technology touches pretty much every part of government. So, um, you know, there, there's often we're often thought of as a niche or very small part of, of this world and, and this nation. But um, it really is much bigger and has bigger impacts than people maybe are, are ready to understand or uh, understand off the bat. But I, I think you're spot on in that. Um, is there anything you're working on now that, you know, that you'd want to tease or preview to, to listeners to kind of give a glimpse of what they should come to expect from you? Yeah, I'm working on a piece right now that I think will be really interesting about the state of disasterassistance.gov, which is the website that FEMA runs to sort of bring together information from a lot of different federal agencies about, you know, what's available to disaster survivors um, and sort of the changes that are coming to that site and also some of the frustrations that have existed with that site. Um, and, and just like you said, even even reporting that story, it's a reminder that the issues with this website are so kind of like intimately tied up with some of the questions and challenges people have with how the government handles disaster relief more broadly. And I think that sort of speaks to why this is like a really, really cool way of reporting on the government right now. So as we close out here, you know, the hope is that some of these people listening in today may want to get in touch with you and have some tips or, you know, story pitches or something like that. If they did, what's the best way to get in contact to you with you? Do you email uh, or social media? What What's your preferred way? Yeah, I um, you can send me an email at Rebecca.Highwell at FedScoop.com. If it's something that's a little bit more sensitive, um, you can just sort of look me up on social media. And I have um, some information about chatting with me on Signal or on ProtonMail, if that's something you prefer. All right. Well, Rebecca, pleasure to have you on board and uh, great catching up with you today. Thanks for having me. Make sure to reach out to Madison and Rebecca with any tips or story ideas or just to say hello if you want. And we're continuing to build the team. If you know of any tenacious, hungry journalists who would thrive covering the intersection of government and technology, please drop us a line. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the podcast on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people to find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C., Adam Butler and Carlin Fisher help put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening.